You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Why do we fight with the person that we love the most? You know, we use all of our brain all the time. That's how it works. For men, it's whoa, not like whoa. that. No. Yeah, hey. <laughs> So we're going to take a little tour through Problemville together. (laughs) Perception is at the heart of our conflicts. We each have our own style about how we approach conflict. These things work. We're going to show you how to keep conflict at a minimum and how to uh, manage conflict when it does arrive. Father, we give you all glory and honor. We give you thanks for the grace that we find in Jesus, that you would chase us down, that you would leave the 99 sheep for the one, that you would be standing not just on the front porch, but running down the driveway to meet the prodigal son, that you'd turn the house upside down looking for that lost coin, We thank you that you would be so extravagant in your love for us, that you would give your only son. And let it be not lost on us. Let it not be lost on us today, oh God. The grace that we find in Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. In your son's name, amen. Good morning. As we prepare our hearts for the offering, um, I wanted to share with you something that has meant a lot to me. It speaks to me. I hope it speaks to you. It's... um, from Every Moment Holy by uh, Douglas McKelvey. It's a book of liturgies for modern day living, and this is from the liturgy, um, a liturgy before giving. So it aligns with 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I have nothing but Christ. And let that sink in. I have nothing but Christ. So let that compel me to a better stewardship. Let that um, teach me to treasure you, Jesus, above all things. Let my increasing devotion be a great, be greater demonstrated in, in joyful generosity. And for my giving is living out the declaration that Christ is my provision and supply. When I give to the needs of, of others and to those who are doing work for the poor and the needy and, and sick and the oppressed, um, when I give to the service of your body and your kingdom, I give not what is mine, but what is already yours, Lord Jesus. With every giving act, I'm openly practicing the fact that that nothing that's ever passed through my hands has ever belonged to me. Jesus, you are my generous master. Make me your faithful servant, teaching me to hold loosely the things of this world, never hoarding what is yours, never seeking for the preservation of my own comfort, Father, let me love you well in my giving as you have loved me so well by giving me all things through Christ. Let me give because your promises are true. Let my giving be the proof. If you are my shepherd, then I'm free to live generously knowing that I'll never want for any needed thing. Why should I grasp at that which I cannot keep? This body will sleep in death, and now that I hold so briefly, will pass into the keeping of another. 
I own nothing here. I have no claim. Father, let me learn to live with open hands and joy-filled heart, investing your resources in your good works. Let me plant these mortal seeds in the expectation of immortal harvests. Would you pray with me? Father God, bless these offerings and multiply their effectiveness for your kingdom. Through this and other acts of giving, train our hearts toward a greater generosity that the habits of our stewardship may be more and more pleasing to you and more and more expressive of your own holy heart and passions. All that we have is yours, Lord Christ. All that we have is you. Use these small gifts for works of love and mercy and to the increase of your glory. Amen. Amen. What a good reminder. As we uh, take up the offering here this morning, I... uh, I was um, just caught up with somebody today that I haven't seen in a long time. Brian Baker is here. He's a Houstonian and a, and a, and a CFCCer who's worshiped with us here, but it's been a while. He's been in Nicaragua for the past year or so, and uh, he has been teaching there, teaching uh, young children, and it's been a, a tense uh, situation down there with some conflict going on, but he's here today. And guess what? The second thing that he did when he got to Houston, the second thing that he did when he got to Houston was, well, that was the first. Then he came to Cypher Christian Church. So he's here with us. Brian, would you raise your hand? There he is there. He's down there uh, teaching these, uh, these kids and, and doing, using it as an opportunity for ministry. He's going to be back with us in November. And um, as Carrie just reminded us, you know, the things that we, that we have here, these material possessions, really amount to nothing. What it really gets down to is loving our neighbors and caring for them and, and loving them as, as if they're family, as, as we would want to be loved. And so I just want to add on another prayer, uh, if we can, if you just bow your heads with me and let's pray for Brian and the work that he's doing down there. God, we thank you so much for uh, how you use us and, and the paths that you lead us on and that you take us on. Um, and we, we, it's always an adventure with you, God. And we just thank you for Brian being obedient and, and hearing your, your call to, to, to pack up and to move and and we just thank you for bringing him uh, back here safe here for a short visit. Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with him, that you would go before him, that you would protect him, that you would protect the people that he is with, and that you uh, would make his ministry there and his service to them fruitful, that it would be in the name of Jesus and that it would be seen as a work and a, and a, and a service and an act from Jesus, Lord. Uh, we just thank you. We ask that you bless him. And I ask that you continue to be with us as you carry us on our own adventures, Lord, and that we would heed your call when we hear it. Father, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I will be reading 2nd and 3rd John. The elder to elect the lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were, commanded by the Father. And now I ask, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, 
but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love another. And this love that we walk according to the commandments, this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ into the flesh, such as one, the deceiver, and the antichrist, watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring the teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Forever greets takes part in the wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. The elder to beloved Gaius, who I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it is goes well for your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified for your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing. You do in your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support the people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diophrates, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. And I and also stops who want to put the effort of the church, puts them out of the church, sorry. Beloved, do not intimidate the evil, but intimidate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We will talk face to face. Peace be with you. True friends greet you. Greet the friends by each by name. That was my friend Cooper. Uh, awesome job. So if you have a copy of scripture, I'd love for you to turn to Second John. Uh, easy to find if you work backwards. Revelation is last, and then Jude, and then Third John, Second John. So we'll start with Second John. While you guys are turning there, I just want to kind of give a report. I want to tell you about my week, if that's okay. So last Sunday, we were in church together. I uh, loved being with you guys. And then I got in a van and drove to Tanglewood Christian Camp and spent the week with, uh, I can make up whatever number I want. You guys weren't there. I, there were like 600 billion junior hires running around. It would not have been louder had there been 600 billion. Uh, but we took 18 students from here, and it was a lot of fun. We had a great week. We got to spend time uh, playing a game called Mafia together. You'll have to ask the students about that. It's a really encouraging game. We um, uh, 
We got to eat camp food together. We got to run around, but we got to also spend a lot of time in scripture. We spent a lot of time worshiping together. We spent a lot of time uh, in small groups, kind of answering questions about scripture and answering questions about what it means to live a life of faith. Uh, And our junior hires represented us well. So if you know the junior hires, you can uh, ask them about the camp later. I know they'd love to love to share with you. It was a whole, whole lot of fun. So uh, today after church, uh, our good friend Travis Wright, our children's director, is taking third through fifth graders to camp, including my wonderful daughter. Uh, so I know a lot of you guys prayed for us last week, and I just ask that you continue to pray for our, for our children. Um, as Travis will be there, I don't know how many he's taking, um, but uh, a lot, like 600 billion probably. Uh, But it'll be third through fifth grade this week, and it's going to be a lot of the same thing. Uh, The same person will be leading worship. Some of you guys know Tyler Murphy. He's led worship here before. Uh, And the deans and the pastors and the the volunteer leaders, all of them do such a great job. Uh, So keep our third through fifth graders uh, in your prayers this week as they go to camp and are challenged in their faith. So if you missed last week, just a quick review, we're, we're in a series that we call Summer Reading, and the idea is this stack of books right here uh, is not just a prop, like these are actually my books, and this stack is typically at my house, uh, but the idea is I have books that I want to read, and I just put them in a stack before I put them on the shelf, and once they've been read, I put them on the shelf, and I'll grab a book off the top, and I'll read it, and when I'm done to go put it on the shelf, somehow, magically, in the time that it took me to read a book this small, uh, two other books have taken its place. Like the, the stack is always growing. There's never less than seven books. Somebody will recommend something. There'll be something I need to, uh, needed to read for class. Whatever it would be, I would, I would add books to the top of the stack. And then what happens, um, all of the books are books that I want to read, but sometimes... Um, I may want to read this one, but somebody recommends one that sounds better, so this one moves its way down. Does that make sense? And so some of the books, they're good, I want to read them, but they make their way to the bottom of the stack. The idea is that scripture, the Bible, is also a stack of books. It's 66 books, and we spend a lot of time at church doing Bible studies on like a certain number of the books. We don't... um, We focus a lot on the Gospels, and that makes sense, and we focus a lot on Genesis, uh, that makes sense, we read in Psalms, that makes sense, Uh, but there are some books that kind of make their way to the bottom of the stack, and we never spend any time in them, right? They're really short, so we, as we're flipping through, like, we don't even see it, because if you flip two pages, you've passed it, and you don't know about it. So the summer summer reading series, um, we're going to go through four books in three weeks. Last week, we went through the book of Jude. And Jude talked a lot about false teachers and how to persevere. This week, we're going to talk about 2nd and 3rd John. Next week, if you want to read ahead, which I highly recommend, we'll call it homework, uh, read 2nd Peter. We're not going to be able to read all the way through it in the service because it's a little bit longer, unless we have a speed reader. So we'll be in 2nd Peter next week. But uh, 2nd and 3rd John, I want to talk to you a little bit first just about uh, who John was. Um, These are letters written by John. There's also a 1st John. Uh, but we actually go through that pretty regularly. So I'm not, it's a great book. You should read it, but we're just not going to cover it in this series. So um, Second John was written uh, to the whole church. Like not just to a specific church for a specific situation. It's a letter that was written that was supposed to be taken to all the churches and read in all the churches that it could possibly get to. Uh, Third John was actually written to a man named Gaius. 
the author of these books is uh, John the Apostle, right? And he also wrote 1 John, but he wrote the Gospel of John, same author, and he also wrote uh, Revelation, right? And if you read... Uh, if you read his writing, if you read Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, or Revelation, there's certain things that he likes to talk about and he focuses on. And there's language that he uses over and over and over. So as you know, that as, he, as he uses the same language over and over, these are things that are obviously important to him and he really wants to try and get across. Um, so as you read through, um, through his writing, and especially in 2nd, 3rd John this morning, uh, you'll see the word truth a lot. He talks a lot about truth. He talks a lot about the contrast between light and darkness, right? If you've ever read 1 John, a big section of 1 John is about light and darkness. He uses the word abide a lot. It's not a word that we use a whole lot. Uh, I don't use it a whole lot anyway um, today. Uh, but he, he uses the word abide a lot and he talks a lot about love. So we're going to actually read through Second and Third John again and we're just going to uh, read through it kind of quickly. Uh, I'm going to comment on some things. There's three things I want to highlight, and I'll go ahead and tell you what they are up front. Um, We're going to talk about what it means to walk in the truth. We're going to talk about what it means to love one another. And we're going to talk about what it means to show hospitality. So let's read the first three verses of 2 John, and then we'll we'll stop and, and pray. So 2 John, the elder, which is John... To the elect lady and her children, which is the church, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, right? And when we read that, we we realize we're not alone in this, right? It's not just us, that there's a lot of other people. Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and in love. Let's pray that blessing on on our time this morning. Father, first, we pause to acknowledge you. Father, you are creator, redeemer, sustainer, and you're our rescue. Father, we ask that your grace, mercy, and peace be with us today. We ask that you help us be aware of your love that abides in us, Teach us how to walk in response, in truth and love. Father, may we continue to become more like you. Speak to us this morning through your words and guide our thoughts and our hearts as we listen for you and to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So first, let's talk about walking in the truth. Verse four, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. Now he'll talk about walking in the truth again in 3 John, uh, but what what does he mean by truth, right? There's, uh, the word truth has kind of been on on trial for many, many years. Uh, There's this postmodern idea that all truth is relative, right? That it's, um, that there's nothing solid and permanent and foundational, that truth is always through the eye of the beholder. Right, that what is true for one person may not be true for another. Right? And and the world kind of believes that and they buy into that. And there is some truth to that. Like we could all go to uh some kind of an event together, uh, and some of us will have a nice time, some of us won't. 
right? And as we tell the story about our experience, we're not making it up like we're telling the truth. This is how I saw it. And then you say something totally different and that's how you saw it, right? But there does exist an absolute truth that regardless of circumstances, that regardless of perspective, it is true, right? And as followers of Christ, as Christians, we see that truth in scripture, right? This is where we start. We believe what's in here. We believe this is the foundational truth. And regardless of your perspective, this is true, right? So John is talking about something that exists that doesn't change, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is true. That will not change. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to go a different direction. There is absolute truth. So when he talks about walking in the truth, that's what he's talking about. Not an opinion, not some kind of uh, relative thought. He's talking about the truth. And when he says walking in the truth, he's not talking about walking in a straight line to get from one point to another. There's a friend of mine, uh, I shouldn't name him, Mike Skelton, some of you guys know him, he used to be on staff here, and I go backpacking with Mike a lot, and it's, Mike's really easy to make fun of, and I'm a terrible person, so it works out really, really well. (laughs) But think about being in a national park that's like beautiful, iconic, otherworldly, people buy calendars and pictures and they put them on their wall to see these beautiful vistas and and this beautiful scenery. And Mike puts his head down when he walks, he looks at his feet, and he's in a hurry to get from one point to another, right? And so me and our other friends, right, we love to to stop him and be like, Mike, you're, you're missing the point. You're not really that good at hiking. Like the idea is that you look around and you see, did you see the giant mountain over here? You didn't, it's because you were looking at your feet, right? When you tie your shoes, get a good look at your feet, then move on to something else, right? He could walk past a bear, an elk, a moose, no idea, and he's got his trekking poles and he's like in a hurry, right? So that's walking, but that's not what he's talking about here, right? It's not this straight line trying to get from point to point. Uh, The Greek word used here means to explore, right? To spend some time in a certain place, to take your time. Now, I'm going to look like a jerk at first. I'm going to tell this story. I already told my wife I was going to tell it, so she knows. Um, Guys, I know that you have been shopping before with your wife, and you go into the store, and I can remember a time that my wife said that she needed to buy a new shirt because there was something coming up. And so me and my wife and our two kids uh, went into the store And this is easy, right? You just go in, you look at shirts, you choose one that's going to work for whatever the event is, you pull it off the rack, you go up front, pay for it, and you're on your way, right? No. Here's how this works, right? She's walking in the shopping, I guess you would say, but she, uh, she'll go in and I'll say, I'll take the kids over to the toy department and I'll like, uh, I'll try and entertain them and keep them corralled over here so you can take your time and find the right shirt. And I'll be over there for like a couple of hours, two or three days, whatever it is. Uh, And finally, we make our way back over to the girls' clothes. And I'm like, hey, did you find a shirt? And I'm, you know, I'm I'm sure you can tell by the look on my face that I'm like, hey, did you find your shirt yet? And she's like, oh, I haven't looked at the shirts yet, but they have skirts on sale. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding, right? 
uh, taking our time and a place, right? Um, on the flip side of that, how many of you guys know what REI is? Have you guys been to REI? REI is a little slice of heaven on earth. And it's exactly the same thing. We go into REI and she's like, what are you here to get? Nothing. We're just going to go in there. Can't afford any of it, but I'm going to walk around. And I'm going to spend my time in there. And I'm going to memorize what the pictures on the wall look like. And I'm going to memorize the layout. I'm going to look at all the shoes. I don't need shoes. I have plenty of shoes. I'm going to look at the jackets. We live in Houston. That's totally pointless, right? But I take my time and just kind of soak it in. And I explore all that it has to offer, right? And I take mental notes. And I'm so happy in this place. Uh, And every time I see her, are we done? Are we done? Are we ready? Are we done? Right? Walking in the truth is spending time in a place. Exploring, getting to know that place. Getting familiar with your surroundings. Right? Um... When I was 10, I moved from San Antonio to Virginia. And I spent nine of my first 10 years of my life in San Antonio. And my family, my mom and dad and my brother were going to move a little bit later, but they sent my sister and I on to Tennessee to meet with our grandparents. They were going to pick us up on the way to Virginia. And I know why they sent us on. Like, that's even at 10, I'm like, I know I'm going to be in the way. I get it. I'll go. I'll go hang out with grandma and granddad. But I still remember being at the airport. Um, and I was moving away from Texas, and I had on a huge cowboy hat. There's probably pictures of this somewhere. A big, straw cowboy hat, and it had like this feather band that I'd got at the rodeo and a little armadillo pin. And I had on my cowboy boots and my jeans and like some kind of western shirt, and I was proud to be from Texas, right? And I was going to go to Virginia, and I was going to take Texas to Virginia. Virginia had no idea what was coming. I was 10. Uh, but six years later, uh, we moved away from Virginia when my dad retired and moved to Tennessee. And I left Virginia with my bangs, like covering half my face. I had skater shoes, real baggy shorts, right? And to, to look at you and talk to you, I'd have to kind of do like this with my hair and it would swing around all the way to the other side. Totally a different person. When you walk in the truth, right? When you spend time somewhere, it eventually changes you. And the idea is, in walking in the truth, that we become familiar uh, with God's truth. We become familiar with the way that God has planned for us to live. Right? We become familiar with who it is that God created us to be. And we start to become aware of things that maybe we didn't notice before, that if we're just in a hurry, we're going to miss. Right? We begin to notice God in other things and in other people and we see his image and we we realize we're surrounded in it, right? And this place, this place that we call truth, that we wander around in, that we spend time in, uh, it has boundaries to it, right? And we're not supposed to wander off from that. This is where we spend our time. This is where we focus. And when we do, it changes us. We've we've talked about the fruit of the spirit before in Galatians chapter 5, right? There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these are not things that we strive to do or to be or to have. These are things that are fruit that are born out of our time walking in the truth. Right? These are things that this is work that the Holy Spirit does in us. Right? 
So when we walk in the truth and when we spend time with God and we begin to understand who we are in light of him and understand better who he is, right, that fruit starts to come out in our life. As we walk in the truth, we're changed and we become people that are loving, we become people that are joyful, we become people that are people of peace, we're patient, we're kind, we're good, we're faithful, we're gentle and we we show self-control. Walk in the truth. The second thing is to love one another. Continuing with verse five. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. It sounds very similar to walking in the truth. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. This is not the first time that John writes about that, right? In the Gospel of John, in chapter 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Right? This is really, really strong. So according to this text, we should be able to identify Jesus' followers, Jesus' disciples, by the way that they love one another. Before the word Christian, before the the term Christian was coined, uh, the early church were known as people of the way. Have you guys heard this before? And people of the way, uh, they got this, not from, it's not something they came up with, but it's from people outside the church And they were called people of the way because of the way that they loved other people, right? And there's, in in history, there are people that have documented, like Roman rulers, uh, emperors that have said, they actually take better care of our own people than we do. They live life a different way. But we've never really been, since that early church, that great uh, at loving people outside the church, right? Right? Uh, does this sound familiar? We draw, we draw lines in the sand and our faith is about being right. And on one side of the line is us and we're right. We know the truth, we're right, and everyone on the other side of the line is wrong. And we work very hard at being right. And instead of loving people, we argue with people. Right? If they, if they don't know Jesus if they haven't experienced his grace, if they're not yet aware that they're created carefully and wonderfully in the image of the creator God, then of course they're not gonna follow all of the things that are in this book, right? We have to meet them halfway, but we don't like to do that. We like to draw the line, we're right, you're wrong. And the truth is we don't even love each other that well inside the church. We argue over things. We have so many denominations and so many church splits and, and we disagree on something that we find in scripture that may not even be an issue of salvation, right? That may not be 100% clear, but we have to draw a line and take sides. We're all about that, okay? Uh, but what John is writing is that you're to love one another in the same way that I loved you. And he's not saying only love people in the church the way that I have loved you. He's talking about everybody. 
And loving someone doesn't mean that you hand them a piece of paper that has all of the things they do wrong on it. Right? That's not love. Love is that we treat them the same way and we respect them and we care for them in the same way that God has respected and cared for us, which is with tons of grace, with tons of love. When we walk in the truth, we will love one another. John also writes in his gospel that no greater love has man than this, that he lay down his life for a friend, right? It would be easy to jump in front of a bus for somebody, right? That's heroic and it's cool and you've died for somebody, but it's much harder to live your life for somebody. In the day-to-day, in the monotony, in, in all of the difficult, drudgery kind of things, to just reach out with love to others. God offers us peace, as John wrote there in the beginning. And we live with the peace of God. And the peace, the, the Hebrew word is shalom. right? And it's, it's bigger than just peace, like absence of strife. Right, it's, it, it also means just to be content with who you are, with where you are. Right? You, you trust in God so much that you don't have worries. Jesus says that I'll take care of everything. Uh, just trust me. And we live in that place of peace, of shalom. And when we're there, we're content. And we're able to love other people. Things like jealousy and competition don't exist in peace. We're not worried about what somebody else has, what somebody else is doing. Uh, We live in shalom. We live in peace. So to love one another, uh, there's a a little section of scripture that I like to use actually in weddings. And I'm not doing a wedding this morning. So nobody's going to get married as I say these things. Um, But there's a definition of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many of you guys have heard this before. And uh, Paul is talking in in chapter 12 about spiritual gifts, right? He's like, here's all the spiritual gifts, they're great. He's like, but I'll show you something even better than these spiritual gifts. And he starts to talk about love. He says that love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not self-focused. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice in wrong. But love rejoices in the truth. It bears, believes, hopes, endures all things. And what I like to do in the... So anyway, the purpose purpose of me bringing up 1 Corinthians 13 is if you go back and you read through these things, every time that you see the word love, if you substitute your name, right? this is a person that's walking in the truth. This is a person that is loving other people, right? So instead of saying love is patient, love is kind, you would think, in my circumstance, Jeff is patient, Jeff is kind. I'm already done. Like, I don't want to hear the rest of it because I've already failed miserably at this point, Uh, right? But this is the way uh, that we should be. These are the words that would describe us if we're walking in the truth, if we're allowing God's peace um, to guide us, right? That this is how we would love. So does this describe how, how you love others? Right? Are, you, are you patient? Are you kind? Uh, are you not um, insisting on your own way? Not arrogant or rude? Right? This is difficult, but again, as we walk in the truth, 
and we learn to love one another, uh, the Holy Spirit does the work, and this is what we become. This is fruit from our time with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? If we were to try and do these things on our own or be this on our own, uh, we'd be exhausted and we would fail. There's no way that we could do this without the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So let's continue with verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So the word that is used here in Greek for abide means to remain or to remain in a place, to stay, to tarry, to dwell, uh, to lodge. It's very similar to walk in the truth, right? It sounds familiar. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. So don't associate with false teachers. Do not, let them, do not allow them into your house, into your church. We talked about this a little bit last week with Jude. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. We begin third John. The elder to the beloved Gaius whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health for as it goes for as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So we talked about, um, what did we talk about? We talked about uh, walking in the truth. We talked about loving one another. Uh, and the third thing is to show hospitality. Verse five says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. And he's talking about people that are going around to the churches and encouraging the churches, right? First century missionaries. I have written something to the church, uh, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers, and also stops those who want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. So, very difficult... Um, to be written, like your name is written in scripture for all of history and all of mankind to read for generation, generation, that you are the bad guy, right? Diotrephes was selfish and didn't recognize the authority of the church and was trying to sow seeds of dissent, right? We talked about uh, last week, false teachers are not people outside the church, they're the people inside the church that are trying to cause division. And he just got called out. Right? It's in scripture. That's rough. Uh, forever, people will know that he was the bad guy. Uh, but Demetrius, verse 12, has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. Right? And so what we see here is that God, uh, God doesn't have any patience with these false teachers. 
right? And we're not, we're not to show them hospitality. Like when they show up to talks about your house could also mean your house church because churches took place in house. Like don't let him in. He's trying to do bad things. He's trying to sow dissent, right? Uh, God has no patience with them. And if you, if you remember in the gospels as Jesus would have encounters with the Pharisees, very, very little patience with the Pharisees, right? The religious folks that were, that were really focused in on themselves, uh, not focused in on God, no patience at all, right? But who does God care for? He obviously cares for the people that are doing his work, right? The missionaries, he was talking about supporting the missionaries and as they come to your town, take them in, take great care of them. Uh, they're, doing, they're doing the Lord's work, right? And so here at SciFair, we support missionaries and we have many mission organizations that we support. But this is a little bit tricky. There are times that we'll see people who are doing the Lord's work and don't even necessarily know it, right? There are organizations out there that are doing great things that are not Christian organizations, right? When we, we take the students to a uh, city serve mission, uh, mission trip in inner city Houston, we're going to leave next Sunday and we'll work with organizations that aren't Christian organizations, but are actually doing a better job of doing what God calls us to do than sometimes the church is, Right? Uh, kids meals that take kids to or take meals to kids that are in preschool like when elementary kids go to school they have a a meal plan and they can eat Uh, but the kids that are still at home don't don't have any food right and so they drive around to different apartment complexes honk the horn on their van the kids and the parents come out and they just hand them food bag lunches right and a couple summers ago at, at CSM our students got to make some of those sack lunches right but we recognize that as God's work, even if the people that are, that are running the organization don't. Does this make sense? Like they're doing God's work even though they may not realize it. What an opportunity to identify that. And I do believe that a couple of the people in the organization are believers. But God loves the people that do his work and we're to support that, right? Regardless, regardless of whether it benefits our congregation one way or another, right? If it's the work of the Lord, we can participate. And who else does God care for? We can see uh, in Jesus' testimony, like as we, as we read through the Gospels, Jesus spent a lot of time, not with the Pharisees, not with the church leaders, but he spent a lot of time with people that were it not for him would be invisible, right? With the marginalized. Uh, nobody wanted to go near the lepers and he touched the lepers, right? He engaged with the lepers. Uh, he sought out the marginalized and, and loved them. Our students, a couple, I guess it was a week ago Thursday, uh, we went to Silverado, which is a memory care facility. Um, and when you go into this memory care facility, there's, there's quite a few residents, uh, and most of them are, are suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's. Uh, some of them can't really communicate anymore verbally, uh, so there's a lot of like uh, communicating just by handshakes and pats on the back and touch. Um, and we've been there several times as a student ministry. Because uh, a lot of the folks in this, in this home have been forgotten. Uh, many of them may have family that live in another state. Right? Some of them may have family that have passed on. Maybe they're the last, the last in their family. Uh, and some of them, we have to believe, probably have people close by. But it's, it's not always easy to go in there. Uh, it can be a little bit confusing at first. And, and it's a little bit strange. You don't know what you may hear or see while you're in there. Right? 
but our students, our wonderful students go in there and they engage with these folks and they love on them and they hug them and they build puzzles with them and they read newspapers to them and they paint their nails uh, and just love on them. And a week ago Thursday, we went for the, the chapel service and Travis Wright was actually speaking at the chapel service and our students didn't do anything while they were there. Nothing at all. They just sat with the residence dream chapel. It was just their presence being there for them, right? Uh, singing the songs with them and the residents light up when they see the students, right? They don't, they don't even look at me. They're not interested in anything that I have to say, uh, but they love the students, right? Um, reaching out to those who are marginalized, who are forgotten. Um, that's, that's the things that Jesus cares about. You see this over and over. Right, so to show hospitality to others, we think of hospitality, we think about in our, in our homes, right? We have a meal and we clean the house because we have company, we want them to feel important, so we take good care of them. Uh, but it's bigger than that, right? It's more than just making food and greeting. Now, if you want to have me over to your house and make a great meal, that's great. I'm not saying don't do that. Uh, but I'm saying that hospitality is actually a spiritual practice of inclusion. Instead of... Um, Instead of assigning people worth, like you're valuable, so I want you to come into my house, right? We reveal their worth, right? Their worth isn't in what we think of them. Their worth isn't in anything other than God. The fact that they are image bearers of the living creator God. So when we show hospitality, we're participating in God's work of love and we're making the invisible visible. Does that make sense? So verse 13 says, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. So John writes to us in these two letters, these two really short letters, to walk in the truth. Spend time in there. Allow it to change you. To love one another. Right where we are. Right with patience, um, regardless of any differences, regardless of how we see the world different, we're just called to love, and we're called to show hospitality, to love people um, and make the invisible visible, to take care of the people that God cares about, the people that are advancing his kingdom and the people that have been left behind. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this letter. Father, we just ask that you, um, that you help us just to take inventory of our own lives. Father, are we walking in the truth? Are we loving one another? And are we showing uh, hospitality, that spiritual discipline of hospitality? Um, Father, be with us, uh, guide us, um, reveal to us uh, where we are. Father, help us to depend on you. Um, to make changes and not to do things on our own, but just just to walk in your truth, to allow our time in your truth as we wander. Uh, and Father, as we become aware, as we notice things, Father, that it changes us and we become the people that you created us to be. Uh, Father, so that we can make a difference in this world for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's no greater show of hospitality uh, than the Lord's Supper, right? We are... Sinners, we're lost, we make mistakes, we're selfish, all the things that we do that separate us from God.
right? Uh, he ignores those and extends his hand. And he says, come and what I've done on the cross, my body and my blood can cover you, right? I love you anyway, right? This is the greatest show of hospitality. So as you come forward this morning, uh, someone will hand you a piece of bread and they'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. You'll dip it in a cup and they'll say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Uh, see this for what it is. This is, this is hospitality. This is the way that God greets us and this is the way that we are to greet others in his name. Amen. Will the servers come forward. Let's end this service with a word out of the book of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.